From American Falls to Milad, we've got the biggest stories in District 5 covered. This is the Southeast Idaho PrepCast with Jordan K. That's right. It's time for another edition of the Southeast Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, where we are breaking down everything going on in District 5 in the state of Idaho. I'm Brandon Bainey, and joining me as always from the Idaho State Journal, Pocatello's only daily local newspaper, Jordan K. Jordan, what's going on? Not much hanging in there. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, another week of football has gone by, and uh, you uh, <laughs> you recently wrote a story in the Idaho State Journal, and everyone can go read it online at uh, IdahoStateJournal.com. Uh, it was really funny, and it had nothing to do with high school sports in Idaho. It really had nothing to do with Idaho, period, right? Tell us a little bit about the, uh, the trip you made this past Saturday. So I, I went to Arizona State. I'm a you know alum, like the football team, follow it a, a decent amount. So they were playing at BYU, and I was like, "This is great! Like I got nothing. Be- Idaho State's off. I'm heading down there. Let's go." Racked up two buddies. I was like, "You guys are ASU fans for a night." So we went down there, and I'd been like the whole week, like texting everyone I know, like, "What's the tailgate like? Is any tailgating? Can you bring alcohol? Can you not? Like, where do you go?" And like the whole thing was just like, it, I mean, it was like a mystery. No one had a clue. They're like, oh, I don't think so. Probably not. I don't think, no. So all these ASU fans ended up at a bar and stuff and just just weird, just drinking in Provo. It's something I never experienced before. It's just a weird feeling. And then I didn't see like any tailgating going on. The BYU fans in my Twitter mentions vehemently disagree with that. Apparently there was you know tons of it. And I, next time I go, I'll have to, you know, make sure I, I get there way early and that I don't miss anything Then I'm driving around and check out these BYU tailgates. But yeah, it's just an interesting thing going from Arizona State where, I mean, more people a lot of times care about the tailgates more than the actual game. And, you know, we'll spend the week, you know, stocking their coolers to, to this where it's just like we were playing Frisbee and playing music in the parking lot and we people were looking at us like we were just nuts and so i was like this is just an odd odd scene but no i loved uh the byu uh game like the whole stadium the cougar tails these maple donuts they were handing out free ice cream all the people are super nice it was awesome just the tailgating was weird so that was that was the story yeah, you uh, because Provo, generally speaking, is a pretty dry area, right? In terms of there's not tons of places you can go to to Correct. consume a beverage or two. Uh, so you talked about going into this bar in Provo, like like it was a speakeasy during prohibition. <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, I'm just not used to the Idaho or the Utah like laws for you know alcohol. Like they have to scan your ID with like this special thing, which is at every bar in, in Utah, but it was just weird. It's like a dark place, very narrow. It was like, I don't know. It felt like you were doing something illegal. Uh, like, But it was a lot of ASU fans. It was just weird seeing, you know, there's the stereotype that there's no BYU fan ever has a drink. And then to see BYU fans in there just drinking, I was just like, this is odd. I don't know. Because it was just totally against the stereotype, which, you know, I guess is probably wrong. 
<laughs> right? Um, yeah, and, and the other the other part of the story I really enjoyed, and I, I don't want to give away everything. You can go read it for yourself. But uh, like how business-like uh, the BYU fans were. Like you mentioned at one point there was a young kid with a little football, yeah. and you said, hey, buddy, throw it here, and he throws it to you, and you throw it back, and the father just looks at the son. Come on, let's go. Yeah, it was weird. Like all these – we would uh, – there was one car I remember too – where they like parked right next to us and they there was three BYU fans and one ASU fan and they like didn't even like look at us and then I was like I like yelled over I was like go Sun Devils and like the one guy like motioned and then they like just didn't say anything and kept walking I was like what the heck is going on you just did not feel like a a football game but then there were other ones like when we were walking to the stadium who we chat with and and have a good time with and ask him questions about you know where to scalp tickets and had to get in but yeah it was just like this is like people would literally just park and then just leave and i mean there was they were in the parking lot for like two seconds put on a coat maybe check their wallet for their wallet and keys and were gone i was like huh i mean it was like we were there an hour and a half before the game it's not like we were you know 10 minutes till kickoff or something Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was a, a really funny story and the way you presented it and just wrote it out. It was, it was really great. So you can go to uh, idahostatejournal.com to check out not just that story, but also uh, all of the latest happenings in district five yes. athletics. Speaking of uh, last week, the, the big matchup you were at Friday night, the yeah. annual black and blue bowl, Pocatello taking on Highland. Ended up being a pretty one-sided affair. Highland wins 41 to 14. I, I thought it was going to be a lot closer. And, you know, uh, to Pokey's defense, I know they had uh, their starting quarterback, Ryan Payne, was out with an injury. Their backup, Drew Conjuris, was also out. So, you know, you thrust Zach Park in there, who, if you remember, was the Pocatello quarterback last year. Kind of during the offseason, you know, went to Dave Spillett and was like, hey, you know, I think I'm, you know, better better suited playing wide receiver. and Ryan Payne can take over. So he hasn't taken really a meaningful snap in almost a year. And to thrust him in there against the Highland defense, that's going to be the best front Pocatello seems all year. I mean, you couldn't ask for a ton out of him. I mean, it's tough. It's just a terrible situation. Um, but I was really impressed with Highland's offense. That's been their one question mark all year. We've heard about their, their defensive line, how much they attack quarterbacks, but to see the quarterback, Jack Whitmer just complete. I think he was 17 for 21 passing over 300 yards. I mean, that was really impressive. Uh, it seemed like against Pokey's cover three, Highlands receivers found plenty of ways to get open. A lot of times these 12, 18 yard intermediate passes that were just working all night. So that was what really impressed me from, uh, from Highland. Yeah, I remember last week we had kind of speculated on like, oh, would Pokey ever move Zach Park back yeah. to quarterback if they needed to? And so, you know, it's a bummer that they had to do that. Yeah, uh, And hopefully it's only a short-term problem they're having to deal with. But I think uh, Ryan Payne supposed to be back in the next uh, couple of weeks. So um, it, it shouldn't linger on for the whole season, which is good news for them. Yeah, that's great. Uh, for Highland, offensively, it's been interesting to watch because – for the last really three years, it's kind of been Caleb Demusio, you know, yeah. when the team really needs a play and they, they don't, to me, it doesn't look like they have that one guy this year that they can just give the ball to. It's kind of more of a communal effort. It seems like there's, you know, five, six, seven different guys that they're all relying on. Yeah. Because you know, their, their main running back is Eli Parrish, who's much different than Demusio, much more shifty guy. Who's going to, you know, beat you by juke and past you or, you know, 
running past you, not running through you. So that's a, a different part of their offense, but they definitely had to rely more on throwing the ball. And they, they've got a great receiving core, just not any um, guys who you can just throw jump balls to, I guess. It's, you know, a lot of smaller smaller dudes, Ezra Godfrey, uh, Kevin Dahlstrom, uh, Raymond Barella, just smaller guys. So it's, you know, about getting them open, make sure you execute, run your routes right, all stuff like that. And first couple of weeks, they were just not clicking. Last couple, they've started to get get a groove going. And that's been kind of cool to see. And I think really kind of thrust them into a spot after that Rocky game. You're like, okay, they're good. And now it's like, yeah, they're going to be state title contenders. Yeah, Highland looks uh, strong as always. The other uh, 5A, 4A matchup was Century traveling to Idaho Falls. The Tigers, you know, it's a marked turnaround for them. They went winless last year. They're now 4-0. Century Falls 51-14. to That that was going to be a tough game for the Diamondbacks. We kind of knew that going in. Yeah, and I remember you saying that Idaho Falls was much improved. And so I, I think last year this was probably a winnable game for Century, and then this season not not so much. Yeah, it's tough. I know Bruin Fleischman came back, had a nice touchdown in the end zone. Um, and, and they've got a tough one this week against Twin Falls, who, you know, almost beat Pocatello. So, you know, Century doesn't get much of a break. They really don't, unfortunately. The, the schedule is very, very difficult for the Diamondbacks this yeah. year. Uh, at the 3A level, the big game we were talking about uh, was uh, Marsh Valley hosting Sugar Salem. Yeah. And that game uh, played out kind of, I don't know, the way we thought necessarily. The Diggers did win 28-14, to 14, but again, the game was closer than the final score would indicate. Yeah, it's tough because this Sugar Salem team has been so inconsistent all year. I mean, they started as the clear number one. Everyone was penciling them in to you know, repeat as state champions, and then you know, they lose a couple games out of the gate, and it's like, okay, what, what team is this? And Marsh Valley had been good good all season. Problem is they just, you know, keep getting in close games sometimes. They can't pull out. And then, you know, the worst part is, you know, they faced three former or reigning state champions. They had Beaver uh, from Utah that first week. They had to play Westside last week, which, you know, I think Westside shut them out. And then they've got to play Sugar Salem this week. I mean, you talk about a tough schedule. The Eagles, I mean, they might not be playing second fiddle to anyone right there. Um, Good thing for them is all they care about is this conference schedule. All they got to do is beat American Falls and Snake River, and they're in the playoffs. And so this was kind of part of their plan the whole time is, hey, you know, we're going to load our schedule, and this is going to make us better. Obviously, they expected and wanted to win those games, but, I mean, you're getting such good – competition out of the gate you're only going to get better and hopefully you know for them it pays off in in conference play they've got plenty of weapons you got Peyton Howe Hunter Roche uh Michael Belknap I mean, you're fine athletically and and so yeah I I don't think this is much of a, you know one to really hang your head on yeah Marsh Valley's one and three and people that just look at the record making a big mistake yeah. Eagles are they're a good team yeah. they're a very good team yeah so uh, so moving on to the other three, a scores that we saw last week, how about American falls picking up their yep. first win of the season over Parma 23 to 18. We, we thought that was a winnable game for the Beavers and they deliver. No, that that's huge for them to, to get some momentum before that, the conference starts. You know, I think they, they think they have a good enough line that could, you know, maybe cause some disruption with snake river and Marsh Valley, but now they've got confidence after this win and, you know, we'll see if they can, uh, you know, keep it moving a little bit. You know, I, I, they have a lot of 
you know, senior guys, Alexis Rios, Patty Harwood. And so they do have talent there. Yeah. Pat, Patty Harwood might make the all name team. He's got a great name, doesn't he? He is. Yeah. He's fantastic. He's awesome too, to watch. I mean, just a, a dual threat quarterback who can run and then, you know, pretty solid as a defensive back too. I think he, uh, you know, he causes disruption for, for wide receivers. Yeah. That game against Aberdeen uh, at the beginning of the year that we were both at Jordan, he, he had an interception uh, yeah. on defense. So, and he was, uh, uh, he was moving his quarterback too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Speaking of Aberdeen, they started conference play last week with a nice 38 to 20 win over Soda Springs. So we were talking about, we, we like West side at the top, but then after that two through five, we're not really sure. Well, Aberdeen took that first step and, and kind of put some distance between themselves and Soda Springs. And I really do think just looking at it from a step back, I do think Aberdeen might be the second best team behind West side. Yeah, no, I totally agree because we haven't seen a ton of consistency from Bear Lake, Malad, or Soda Springs. And so, you know, realistically, you kind of just have to thrust Aberdeen in there. But after that first game, I mean, they hit a little bit of a lull and you're starting to wonder, okay, who is this team? I think we saw a little bit more of what they're going to be on on Friday. You look at, they brought back a tailback Connor Johnson. He, he had been injured, which kind of forced Kale Adamson into that role. He looked good early on, but you know, Connor Johnson's got 131 yards and scores against Soda Springs. And then Brody Beck, their quarterback, who really only started to practice in there like two weeks before the season, just fantastic. I mean, he ran 20 times, 214 yards, and had three touchdowns. Also threw the ball, you know, had three completions for 60 yards. I mean, when you have a running game like that, Brody Beck's a tough guy to bring down. I mean, that is not fun for any defender to tackle and, you know, Aberdeen was playing good teams who had bigger defenses, but you know, you go against some uh, other two, a teams. I mean, they're going to have real trouble trying to stop him. Yeah. You, uh, you, you talk about Brody Beck. I mean, you're talking about basically an all state linebacker just yeah. running at guys, yeah. you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so Aberdeen's one and zero in the conference, they're back to 500 overall two and two. And uh, it was, it was fun to watch Kale Adamson back there at running back, but I do think overall, he is better served and, and Aberdeen is better when he is at tight end and, and helping to block along that line. Yeah. Secure the edges, all that stuff. That's huge in that offense. Yeah, for sure. So that was the only conference game at the two a level last week, because there's five teams. They kind of have to stagger the schedule because there's an uneven number of teams The the big game, everybody had their eye on in a game that we were at for IdahoSports.com was West side hosting Cole Valley Christian in a matchup of two ranked teams in the two a ranks. So I was there along with Sean Kane doing the game Friday night. And here, here's the the problem with playing West side. If I was an opponent and I'm going to play West side still this year, I want to make sure that they have to play defense first. Now that seems counterintuitive, right? Most coaches that win the coin toss, uh-huh. they want to go on defense first. But if I win the coin toss against West side, I want to be on offense first because Cole Valley had to kick off the game to start against Westside. Okay. Pirates march it down the field and score seven nothing. Well, that immediately puts the pressure on Cole Valley Christian. They go three and out. Westside gets the ball back. They march it down the field again, yeah. and just like that, it was it was fourteen nothing. You know, six, six minutes into the game, and then at that point, it's almost oh. impossible to come back. And they, this is the exact same thing that happened against Snake River. Um, I think it's almost verbatim. Like, yeah, they were up fourteen nothing early. It was like. A 14 nothing lead against West Side feels like 100 nothing. I mean, I don't, no team's really coming back from that. And yeah, no, that West Side 
the the interesting thing was a lot of times with their rushing attack, it's cage brokens and then everyone else. And, you know, he still had 133 yards and a couple touchdowns, but you look at Parker Henderson too, the, what he gave them. I, I mean, he, he had 11 tackles and then carried the ball a little bit. When you can get a lot of, you know, production um, out of those guys, I think that just helps so much. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about cage brokens all the time, but they've got Christian Plancarte, yeah. who is the other wing back. He's the guy that's always in motion, it seems like. Yep. Um, and and then uh, Tyson Moser, the head coach, his son Parker Moser comes yeah. in as a nice over 100 yards. Yeah, he's a nice change of pace back as well, and a really speedy guy. And so, yeah, you know, Blaze Brown struggled throwing the ball. He, you know, he he completed only like 30% of his passes in that win over Cole Valley. Um, he threw the ball nine times, which is, uh, I think, a lot, at least in the games I've seen for Westside. That's a lot of pass attempts for him. Yeah. But So that's going to have to get better eventually, I think, uh, as teams suck in more and more against the run. But, I mean, Westside, a 47-14 to 14 game that was never really in doubt. I mean, Cole Valley kind of rallied in the second half, but in the fourth quarter, it was Cole Valley starters against Westside's backups, basically. Is, is yeah. That out, so. I mean, the nice thing for Westside's passing attack is if they ever need to get it going, you just start throwing screen passes to Bryler Shirtliff and let him juke out a couple of guys. And so there's always that safety blanket there. And I know as the season progresses and, you know, teams start getting tougher and watching more film, they're probably going to start going to that a little more. And, You'll see Blaze Brown's completions go up, his confidence go up, all that stuff. Yeah, and, and then Bryler Shirtlift, he kind of injured his ankle uh, in, oh, early yeah. early in the third quarter, and, and he he sat out a series or two, and then came back in to play receiver, but but mostly to play corner, I think, to stop to to stop Cole Valley. But yeah. it got to the point where he wasn't even kicking off anymore. They had they had Cage Brokens oh. actually kicking off, which was wow. interesting to see. So huh. that is yeah. yeah, I know his brother Easton or. Cousin, brother, something like that. Uh, brother. Yeah. yeah, kicks extra points. So, I mean, they got a, somewhat of a safety blanket, I guess. Yeah, and well, and then I was asking uh, their coaches prior to the game about who who's going to kick and that kind of stuff. And they said, well, actually, tonight we're going to have Plancarte kick. Oh. Uh, we, we've been having an open competition, which uh, they, they like that. They like having competitions in practice and playing. Awesome. So, I mean, but – They've got three guys that can, or really four guys that can kick the ball if needed. And uh, yeah. some teams are thinking like, "Hey, we can't even get one guy yeah, that can." It's, yeah, it's four more than most two A teams. Yeah, so I mean, it, yeah, Westside just looked really impressive. The last thing I'll say about them is uh, their pass rush on defense was phenomenal. That yeah. was going to be the big key against Carter Fortin, who's a good quarterback for Cole Valley, and they just made life tough all night for Fortin back there. Jacob Stokes had an interception from from the defensive line, and so. Yeah. Yeah, West Side, uh, no surprises here, but definitely the team to beat in 2A football. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. The other 2A scores that we saw were Bear Lake uh, traveling up to Ryrie and shutting yeah. out the Bulldogs 46 nothing. Ryrie is a team that's really struggling. So, we kind of expected that. And then uh, Malad got shut out by West Jefferson 38 to nothing. I was a little bit surprised by that yeah. uh, just because of the margin of victory. Yeah, no, I thought that one was going to be a lot closer. You know, they've had games where they're clearly the underdogs, but have kept it close in most of them. So, yeah, that's kind of an odd one. Good thing for them is it's not a conference game, so they've got time to bounce back. Yeah, for sure. So, and then and then the only other game that uh, took took place in our era, or the only 
games that took place besides that were a couple of 1A games. Yeah. Uh, a game we had on IdahoSports.com. Grace traveled to Idaho Falls to play exactly. Water Springs, and Grizzlies get their first win, 41-26. to I know they've got a lot of new pieces in place this year. That was a nice win for Grace. Definitely. New coach, new quarterback, you know, a lot of moving parts. And so to get that win is just, you know, we'll see what it does for them because they, they kind of got snake bit early. Looked like they were going to beat North Jim in week one. All of a sudden, Cowboys march down the field, throw a, a touchdown with eight seconds left and kind of get that come from behind victory against uh, Grace. And it's like, you know, that's a tough thing to recover from. So we'll see if the win number one kind of translates to more going forward. Yeah, for sure. And, and then speaking of North Gem, they went and uh, traveled to Lighthouse Christian in Twin Falls. That's a D2 versus a D1 yeah. and back and forth game. But North Gem uh, got the win 44 to 36. You know, we talk all the time about Bridger Hatch and what a great rushing threat he is at quarterback. But but the guy that's kind of been unsung is Brett Yost, the, yeah, the no. running back. He had five touchdowns in that win over Lighthouse. Yeah, their leading rusher, again, for the second straight week, 147 yards. And then, yeah, like you're saying, five times is crazy. And I think we kind of expected this. It was just who was going to step up. Defenses now know how good Bridger Hatch is. They know that he's going to find ways to score, find ways to you know run the ball. And so now North Jim kind of, you know, with defenses keyed up, on Bridger Hatch, they've got to find other guys who can step up. And right now it's Brett Yost. And so he's having a phenomenal senior year. Yeah, for sure. And now for North Gem, the toughest thing is, is they're on this nice roll. And yep. now all of a sudden the game gets canceled this week. They're supposed to play Mackie in their conference opener. Mackie's had some, some problems with uh, player illness. I don't know if that's COVID or the regular yeah. flu or what, but uh, they, they've had to cancel uh, a couple of games Mackie has. And so... Yeah. North Jim all of a sudden a week off in the middle of the season, which is not ideal. But. No, and I know they're trying to find a replacement for that one, but it's always tough when your momentum just kind of screeches to a halt and you don't expect it. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. At the eight-man level, it can be tough to try and fill in those games uh, on, on short notice. But yeah. Uh, okay, so let's look ahead to the schedule this week. It, it's kind of a it's a lighter schedule, except for in that two A ranks where we see a couple of conference games. So let's let's start there, I guess, at the two A level, the Southeast Idaho Conference. You've got, uh, I think, two really good conference matchups here uh, to start. Malad is going to be at Soda Springs. We'll yep. find out, you know, what kind of team Malad is. Uh, Soda, of course, coming off that loss to Aberdeen, trying to to turn things around. I think this is going to be a pretty even matchup. Yeah, I don't uh, kind of force – I can't really predict this one. I mean, we haven't seen them a, a ton against, you know, great teams. And so to go against each other, I think it's kind of, you know, if Aberdeen is that number two team, is this like the fight for third? Could one of these teams, you know, maybe make the playoffs or squeeze in? So, yeah, this could be a really big one. Um, we'll see kind of what Soda Springs bounces back and then how – Malad bounces back from a, you know getting shut out, so it'll be kind of a real test for for both of them. I, I think coming into the season, a lot of people thought Malad with a new coach and a lot yeah. of new players was just going to be totally overwhelmed every single game, and that hasn't been the case. Malad's really. been very competitive, and I've been very impressed by them so far. So definitely. Yeah. Okay. And then the other big game is Westside finally gets into conference play when they host Bear Lake. Now, uh, I believe this was one of the games last year that was only seven, nothing, right? It was. Yeah. And there were plenty of chances for Bear Lake to, to tie that game. And a lot of times I was like, wow, this is, this is getting a little too close for Westside. And 
Pirates ended up pulling it out. Their defense was fantastic. Had a ton of fourth down stops, like right around midfield. And and now you've got, you know, a Bear Lake team that got just crushed by Firth. And now uh, it was coming off a huge shutout victory. Alex Allman, their running back, fantastic. Had over 100 yards. But, you know, you're going into the West Side, a team that has not lost in 25 straight games. Looks like just an absolute juggernaut. I don't know if Bear Lake can keep it as close as they did last year. I mean, they lose Owen Tusher, who is just a fantastic quarterback, kind of, you know, kept Westside on its heels a little bit. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep it that close, but, you know, who knows what the Bears can do. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun to watch the rematch. That's for sure. The last team to beat Westside, do you know who the last team was? I thought it was Snake River. Yeah. Okay. So that was going to be my transition. That that was a game that Snake River won seven to six all the way back in September of 2019. Snake River has an interesting game this week, Jordan, as they travel to South Fremont to play the Cougars, a 3A semifinal team from a year ago, a team that kind of got pushed around by Firth uh, last week. I was pretty surprised by that outcome, actually. And so for Snake River, the grueling schedule continues. They're going to be battle tested, that's for sure. Yeah, because South Fremont's ranked in like the top three, right? Well, they were, and then they they lost, oh, they lost. to yeah. Firth, and that slid them. I, I think in one poll they're still in the top five, and one right. they fell out. But right. but I don't know. It's that's a tough one though, because even the West Side coaches and anyone who's played Firth is like yeah, that. That team's legit. Like that line is like could be you know compete maybe at you know three like three a four a level and be just fine. So. I don't know if that's too much of an indictment on anything, but you know, Snake River is coming off a of bye week. They've had an entire week to prepare for for South Fremont, and you know they're they're coming off a tough loss. I mean, to Blackfoot that they probably should have won, and now they had a whole week to think about it, a whole week to practice with that motivation, and we'll see. I mean, they've got plenty of talent. They've got you know Carson Hawker and Zach Staley and quarterback Cole Gilbert. I mean, they got plenty of pieces. I I mean, I, this is going to be a close game. Probably could go either way. The defense has got to be ready for Snake River because South Fremont has one of the best quarterbacks in the state, not just yeah. in, in Eastern Cayman Peebles, who can really yep. sling the rock around. So. Fantastic name, too. Yeah. Yes, definitely yeah. so. I, uh, yeah, there were people last year when I was asking, you know, who's the best quarterback in 2A? And it was a lot of people were saying, well, Owen Tusher probably has, like, you know, maybe the best arm. But, you know, I think Peebles is probably the best, best option or best guy we went against. And so. Yeah, that, that that's a tough one. Yeah, that's going to be a tough matchup for Snake River. But, you know, I thought coming into the season, the Kimberly game was going to be tough, and I actually thought Kimberly would win that, and Snake River totally blew them out. So I've learned to not ever count out Snake River. That's what I've learned. Cool. So Yeah. Um, let's see. Moving up to the 4A ranks this week, uh, we talked about Twin Falls traveling to Century. That's going to be a really tough matchup uh, for the Diamondbacks. And then how about this game, Jordan? Pocatello traveling to Rabston Stadium to play Idaho Falls. That's going to be a game that we will bring to you on idahosports.com. Uh, Lauren Jensen will be on the call for that from Rabston Stadium. And 3-1 and one Pokey, 4-0 and oh Idaho Falls. Who would have thought that coming into the matchup? Yeah, not, not me. Um, this will be, man, I you look at Idaho Falls, and like you're saying, you came into the season not with super high expectations after what they did. They've just looked fantastic, like a total rebuild of a program, which doesn't usually commence in one season. Then Pocatello, I mean, same thing. I mean, last year they were solid. They looked good, made the playoffs. Did not expect them to come out 3-0. and Looks like their line is better than it has been in a decade. 
just been fantastic. But, man, they just did not look the same against Highland. The only reason a lot of people say, oh, yeah, of course not. It's Highland. It's a 5A team. They're not supposed to. But Idaho Falls is the same thing. It's another 5A school that's ridiculously talented. And, you know, we'll see if Zach Park's got to be a quarterback again. But, you know, it's going to be interesting for all the the hype we've had about, you know, uh, Pocatello's interior, which has looked fantastic against these 4A opponents. Like, can it hold up against the 5A team? And I think that's going to be the real question heading into the Idaho Falls game. Yeah, I keep waiting for that other shoe to drop for Idaho Falls, and it just doesn't seem yeah. to be coming. But yeah. We'll see. Uh, And then uh, the other 5A matchup that we uh, were going to bring to you on IdahoSports.com, but uh, that game got moved. It was supposed to be at Iron Horse Stadium, I think, and then it got moved inside Holt Arena. So it's going to be Highland hosting Madison. Now, Highland is 4-1, and right? The the only loss was to Rocky Mountain way back in Week 0. Madison is 3-1, and but I kind of have to question the schedule a little bit with Madison. Who have they really played, right? They they've beaten Bear River, yeah. Hillcrest, and Bonneville, and those are Hillcrest and Bonneville are probably the two worst teams in in the four A High Country Conference. And, and then they, they lose by like two scores to Lewiston. You were right, and one good team, yeah, yeah. So I I don't. You can look at the records, but I I think Highland set up for a big win here. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with that. The way Highland looked against Pocatello, I mean. They're riding high. Their offense looks fantastic. Defense better than ever. And yeah, who who really has Madison been battle tested against? Right. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be interesting to watch, though, just, just to see how. I mean, yeah. Highland could send a statement to the rest of the conference, maybe with a big dominant victory. Well, the sure. other one too is uh, Blackfoot at Preston, and you know Preston has been you know fantastic, kind of a surprise this season. Blackfoot, though, coming off a week where they beat Skyline. I know they're not quite District 5, but that was a win I did not see coming. And now they kind of get to go to Preston. And I think it's really a litmus test for both teams. Like, who is who is for real? Like, who who could maybe be the surprise in their district? And that one's going to be a fun one. Two just great offenses. Yeah, I, I forgot about that as I was looking through the schedule of games. But, yeah, Preston 3-1, and one, living on the edge. Blackfoot two and two, maybe they've found some, some new life and some yeah. new momentum for sure. So yeah, yeah that'll be I a put, fun. Uh, I had Blackfoot. I put them at five in my, the four a rankings. I just thought, you know, that they, they just beat a skyline team that everyone thinks is fantastic. Their only two losses are by a combined two points, both to five, a schools. I'm like, this team is, you know, kind of past most of the checks that we expect from them. Uh, you know, I, no one else agreed with me. I was the only one who voted them, but you know, I think a win against Preston would say a lot and, and probably get them, you know, more consideration. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last game on the schedule in our area is a 1A game. Rockland had the week wow. off last week. They're 2-1. and one. They're going to go play Chalice. I think that sets up as a nice win for Rockland there. I mean, too. Only thing is they got to spend four hours on a bus to go to go there. Chalice is not an easy place to get to, no matter where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, it's... No, they don't. <laughs> It's a quick, like, it's a, I think that's a lot of people think Holt Arena is like a home field advantage because of the heat. Like Chalice is a home field advantage because every team's got to take a, you know, four hour bus ride there. Yeah. Different type of home field advantage. That's for sure. That's what's shaking out on the football schedule this week. Jordan, what's, uh, what's going on at the Idaho state journal? What are you working on? Um, I think we're going to do a story on, you know, Highland volleyballs looked really good. You know, some other teams around the, Highland soccer undefeated March Valley soccer been fantastic so far. 
nine and oh, you know, Abby Marshall, Cami Harris, um, fantastic goal scorers. Uh, I'm trying to think anything else. Oh, this week, Idaho State football, it's their uh, homecoming. It's going to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the uh, 1981 national championship team. So we'll have a game day issue of the Idaho State Journal on Friday with a lot of, you know, fun stuff reliving that season. So, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, kind of lookbacks uh, will be on Friday. Yeah, that 1981 team was a, a lot of fun. Is there going to be any of the uh, the guys from that team that are back to celebrate? Yeah, you know? I was talking with them. They said they got 50, 50-ish, wow. which I could not believe. I was like, holy cow. <laughs> How did you? Most of them don't live here either, so they're flying in. They, they're really excited about it. Yeah, of course, the most famous name from that team is probably Dirk Cutter, who was the quarterback. Yeah, just talked to him this morning, and then uh, Marvin Lewis was uh, – uh, graduate assistant linebackers coach too. So those are some big names. And then, you know, their quarterback, Mike mature, he played in the NFL, you know, kicker case to Bruin played in the NFL too. I mean, they've got for as much as bad as Idaho state has been collectively as a history, like that 81 team is like kind of an anomaly in terms of success. And so kind of cool talking with them. Yeah, for sure. And talk, talking all this ISU football just reminded me, uh, you know, the great Merrill Hodge, Highland yeah. High graduate, played at Idaho State. His nephew, Tristan Hodge, played yes. for Highland a couple years ago, uh, went on, uh, played out of state in college, uh, just got signed by the Cleveland Browns pretty recently. So now there's two Highland Rams on that Cleveland Browns roster along with Tommy Togiai, which I know cool. it, it kind of makes the – I know some people from you know Highland have been excited. Like now, now we can buy Browns gear and you know really support two guys. Like it makes it easier than – you know, buying the apparel of two teams. And so there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, you know, boom, you know, Browns fans coming up in, in Pocatello Browns and saints are the two jerseys I see the most around here. Yeah, for sure. And for good reason. So yeah, exciting thing is going on uh, everywhere in district five. That is for sure. And we'll be back next week again to, to break it all down for you again, as a reminder, games on the idahosports.com broadcast schedule this week in district five the big one is going to be idaho falls hosting pocatello so all you pokey fans if you uh, for some reason can't make it to ravston stadium friday night you can watch the game for free on idahosports.com so that's going to be a good time for sure and if you want to see what other games we've got going on statewide all you have to do is click on the game streams tab on the homepage at idahosports.com so all right, Jordan. Uh, good luck at homecoming. Uh, we'll see if the, tail the tailgating is probably going to be a lot better than it was at BYU. They've already, yeah. They're, they're like, we got a big tailgate going on. I was like, let's see it. I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's going to be a good time for sure here in the uh, the city of Pocatello. So, yes. for for Jordan K, I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Southeast Idaho Prepcast on IdahoSports.com.